We are in Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. We ended last week with a section from Mark 12, 18 through 27, where the Sadducees were trying to trip up Jesus with the story of the woman who married seven brothers. All of them died. She goes to heaven. Whose wife will she be? We didn't have a lot of time at the end of that. So let's open up some, some more of this. One of the problems that a minister has is that the Bible doesn't talk as much about heaven as we would like. Therefore, when somebody comes to us and says, what's heaven like? Sometimes we have to say, well, you'll like it, but we don't have a lot of information. I've had people say, but we know what it looks like with streets made of gold and the gates made of... That's, the, that's all a symbol. God does not have chemical elements rebuilding them in heaven. It's just a way of saying it's going to be better than you expected. It's going to be incredible. But our relationships will be different. I expect to be, have a special relationship with you, a, a different kind of special relationship with Cammy. but it's not going to be like it is here. We're going to be busy. In the story of heaven, what we do see are gates, and people are going in and out. Now, it's not like you go to heaven, then you foul up and you get kicked out. No, it, it's with assignments. Do you remember Jesus said, if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you rulers over many. God has jobs lined up for us. I truly believe that a lot of life is job training. This is where we learn how to do whatever it is we're going to be doing in heaven. And whatever it is, you'll like it. You're not going to be in the cubicle with fluorescent lights. You're going to like it. Hey, welcome back. Good to see you. Um, it is, it's going to be special, but we don't have a lot of information. You will be different. The Bible says we will be translated, in a, transformed, but it says translated in the twinkling of an eye. I've had people say, well, we know each other in heaven. Not only will you know each other in heaven, but the scripture has people seeing people they never saw on earth and knowing who they were. Remember the transfiguration? When the apostles look up, they know who Moses and Elijah are, although they'd never seen a drawing, obviously not a photograph, but never even artistic representation because the Jews will not make a representation of any living thing. So they never saw it, but they knew who they were. Paul put it this way. He said, then I will know as I have been known. You're going to know everybody up there. And that's kind of a comfort, isn't it? You're not going to be alone. Everybody there, you'll know. The Sadducees were struggling with this. So God, Jesus says, at the very last, uh, the see, verse 26, about the dead rising, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. You are badly mistaken if you believe that death is it. It's over. What happens at death is not clear in Scripture. Sometimes it seems like you sleep until the resurrection. Other times, like the story of Lazarus, 
you're guided on a tour and placed in a wonderful place. A couple of people have seen beyond, like Paul, uh, John the Revelator, and Daniel. And none of them were allowed to tell us what they saw. So it's going to be a surprise. But it'll be a good one. You know, I, I, I don't care for surprises. You know, as, uh, people have tried to throw a surprise party for me before, but I got wind of it and was in another state by the time they, they got it. I'm not a, not a fan. I'm always afraid it will turn into an intervention. You know, got suckered in with the cake. But this surprise is going to be good. There's not going to be a, a hook on the end of it. Well, they keep coming. So here comes another one, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law, notice this, this is before his death, it's kind of like a trial by religious leaders. Each one of them keeps throwing something at him. When the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now that's a question I'm interested in. How about you? I think I've told you this before. Church of Christ people can get it. There's, there was a multi-panel cartoon, and you saw a city glowing in the clouds that was obviously supposed to be heaven, and all this line of people coming back. Then you see a cheer starting up there, and the cheer keeps working its way back. And by the time it gets back to where you are in the panel, a guy's running past yelling, Wednesdays don't count. Well, I, I understand the point of this, don't you? What? What? Now, if he is asking, looking for the minimum, that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, when I was growing up in the 60s, preachers preached against long hair on men. And they would, you know, they would, they would use Paul's, they would forget the entire context of the discussion. And when they did, guys around me would sometimes say, you know, Sato Vachi, you know, under their voice, they would say, uh, wow, but how long is long? I didn't agree with the preachers, but also didn't agree with that question. Like, how long is long? I look over at the camp kids, and I saw how much fun they had, and I thought about the regimentation in our camp. You had to, the boys and girls had to stay a minimum of four inches apart. I'm not making this up. So they would go find a stick and measure it, and one hold one end and one hold the other, and that's how you knew who was going with who. Not making this up. Everything that they found, your, the, the, the shorts you had had to come to the middle of your knee, and there were guys walking around and women walking around with a ruler to make sure... That's, you know, what is the minimum? Why did they have to do that? Because kids would try to, let's, let's push it. They'll try to push. God doesn't need you to push him. What if, what if um, right after, the day after Cammie and I are married, I look at her and I say, all right, so we're married. We did it. Um, what, see, could you make a list of the absolute minimum I need to do to stay in this relationship? How long do you think that would last? Not very long. She's American. She has access to firearms. It would not last. So, I wonder about this question. Jesus, however, answers it rather than questioning the motives of the questioner, which makes me think maybe the guy was just asking straight because it was getting confusing. How, how much do I have to do you listen to Sadducees, you listen to the Essenes. Whoa, the Essenes, that was awful. Uh, the Pharisees, and 
I don't know, what am I supposed to do? And I love the response. The most important one, Jesus, answer Jesus, is this. And he does the Shema. Shema Israel Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I want to stop right there. That's not a commandment, is it? Well, it kind of is. As Alexander Campbell said, and by the way, he may have been quoting somebody else. I just found that quote in his stuff, where he said, if there is no God, nothing matters. But if there is a God, nothing else matters. I think that's what Jesus is trying to say here. Almost like Matthew 7, build your foundation. There is one God. To this day, the Jews, Orthodox, Reformed, Conservative, as far as I know, every group says the Shema. And it's called Shema because Shema means hear, O. And that's the beginning of the, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, our God is one. That's what you have to remember. It's kind of weighty. Kind of heavy stuff. So I'm glad he goes further. How, how, do you, how do you obey the command, O Israel, here that our God is one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Oh, is that all? Well then, I, well, that'll keep you busy. But he adds, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I would submit to you, one of the reasons we fight so much about this doctrine or that doctrine, about this process or that process, about whether we should do this or that, is because it's easier to debate those things than it is to do what we know to do, which is love God and love each other. Because, frankly, some of you are hard to love. Unlike me, you're not cuddly. I hope you understand sarcasm. Perhaps I should have a button to push when I do that. We're not always easy to love. My grandsons came to spend a couple days with us, and we had a blast, and Rebecca let us walk up her creek, and have all, we found fossils and a copperhead. That kind of made the day. You know, um, I, back in West Virginia, I could have picked it up and done a religious show, but I didn't. Uh, we, just, we stayed away. Um, I lived there for nine years, by the way. I'm making fun, but I loved it. We enjoyed that time. The hardest part, though, was Friday morning. Their mother sent a clock that they have in their room. The clock says, you know, they are not allowed to get out until 7. You have to stay in bed. About 10 till 7, we're hearing 7, 7, 7. And I'm going, are you insane? We kept you up till 10 o'clock last night, ran you ragged. At 5 till 7, they're in our room laughing and talking and jumping around. I'm going, really, really? You know, I love you, but not now. Uh, You've got to give me 10 minutes, and then I'm going to love you. It's hard to love sometimes, isn't it? The Bible tells us your job is to love God and love each other. By the way, and I don't mean to put anybody down on this. I just want to do a corrective if I could. When I grew up, they, they used the joy mo- motif Jesus first, others second, yourself last. You've heard that? Jesus never did that. He said, God first, 
and you and others. You're not to love your neighbors better than yourselves. You're supposed to love them as yourself. You're not supposed to hurt yourself for your neighbors. There's, there's a limit. God's not asking you to do that much. And I think we push people too hard. Why pour another burden on people? Love them as you love yourself. I have great neighbors. I really do. One side are the perfect neighbors. Every time we walk by, they wave and say hi to us. And that's all. It's wonderful. I have other neighbors that I've, and by the way, they're probably listening. They know who they are. Who every now and then before I go get the mail, I'll check to see if the coast is clear. Because they like to talk. By the way, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I'm I'm hard to love. Sometimes you need to talk. Sometimes you need to visit. Love them as yourself. It's not always easy, but it's always right. The teacher, he says, well, t- well said, teacher. <laughs> I love that. Telling God, good job. Good job. The man replied, you're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. Notice he understood the commandment was not love God, love each other. But that's the result of the command that God is all and that's all that matters. You, did you ever notice that before? He didn't give him things to do. He gave him someone to bow to. That's your commandment. Bow to God in all things. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength. Uh, he left out a couple, but that's all right. And to love your neighbors yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And it is. Can we talk about this? There are several places in the New Testament where God breaks through. Well, in the Old Testament, where God breaks through and says, I hate your burnt offerings. I hate you coming to church. Because you're not living well, the way I want you. You're not getting the point of church. You're not getting the, the point of the burnt offerings. And here Jesus agrees with the guy. I mean, have you read the Old Testament? Does the Old Testament give a lot of rules about burnt offerings? Yeah, say yes and just pretend you read the Old Testament. Yes, it's full of it. Deuteronomy and Leviticus in particular are full of rules. And Jesus just here said, loving each other is far more important than any of that. How radical do you think that was at this time? How safe was it to say that in an area that is so fiercely monotheistic, theocratic, we have the system here given to us by God, don't mess with it. Is it not interesting that when Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll get to this soon, he says repeatedly, you have heard it said, and he quotes the Old Testament, and then says, but I say. Now, I hear a lot of folk that want to leap to God's defense here. By the way, you don't need to do that. But they want to leap to God's defense here and say, now, all he's doing is he's not contradicting the Old Testament. He's just making sure they understand the point of it. Maybe. But he is t- telling them there's a new sheriff in town. and You better be listening to what God wants. Jesus saw he'd answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. All right, hang on. That would not have comforted me a bit. What about you? You're drowning. Someone leans over. You're not far from the edge. Well done. I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. 
I think he's referring to his death and resurrection. Keep doing what you do. You'll get there. You understand what I mean? You're on the right path. Just keep doing it. You'll be all right. You'll get there. I would love it. By the way, um, signage in America is actually pretty good on highways. It's brilliant in Britain. They really do. The, and, I, and that's not being you know, British versus America. But they actually have signage down to it, art. It's amazing. But I like signage here. I would like it to, neither of them have this though. I would like for there to be an additional sign that will say things like, those of you going to Detroit are doing just fine. You're on the right road. Wouldn't that be nice? Or you know, every so often, a, a radio alert comes over. You know, Patrick, you did turn on that road, but it's actually a pretty good idea. Keep going. We don't get that. But God gives it to us in our life. Saying, love God, love each other. You're going the right direction. So let's, let's talk about another Jesus thing. He said he was looking for those who were asking, seeking, and knocking. It amazes me the tense of the verb used there. Because it goes against how I was trained. I was trained you had to find it, do it, obey it, live it. He says you have to be pointed toward it, moving toward it, making progress. Not there. Knocking, not in. Asking, not knowing. Seeking, not finding. Just keep going, and God will take care of the rest. You'll get there. I think that's what he's saying here. I've been doing a little soliloquy up here for the last 20 minutes. Anybody have, um, if you don't know what that is, look it up. You didn't take Shakespeare, did you? Uh, and anybody have questions or comments you want to fill in on this? Where are we? Yes, sir. That's a very good point. <clears throat> uh, for those listening on the internet uh, or Facebook, the, um, the question is, why do we have so, such a hard time? We, uh, loving neighbors we get, but loving yourself we don't. In science, we actually study this. For example, uh, caffeine. Caffeine is our friend. Without caffeine, some of you would have no personality. Others of you would be widowed because you would kill somebody. I know this. And yet, there are people that will say, you shouldn't have too much caffeine. We have been studying caffeine for 60 years. We can't find negative. Now, for some people, they, they get their heart rate up, they can't sleep, well, then moderate it. But, for example, Alzheimer's, one of the, one of the things you can do to delay the onset, does not cure to delay the onset is to have caffeine in your life. Now, that's a problem for me because I don't like coffee. My wife requires coffee. Society requires that my wife have coffee. She knows this. I'm, I'm, you, can, you can talk to her. Um, she even has a, a big cup that has one of those, not yet, no, wait a minute, okay. You know, because, right, right? And I got her a big mug with prescription mark on it as well. I'm all for it. Um, caffeine makes us feel better. Therefore, there must be something wrong with it. Salt makes food taste good. Therefore, it must be damaging to you. Many of you still believe it is damaging to you. If you have bad kidneys or high blood pressure, it can be. 
but we just looked at 50 years of study and two months ago came up with, we can't find a harm. Out of all those doctors that made you eat icky food, we can't find a problem. We have a problem. Do you feel, I'm not going to ask the guys this. Ladies, do you have a problem relaxing? I know my wife does. She's busy. And so when she sits, it's kind of like, I should be doing something. I'm saying, love yourself enough to sit down. Love yourself. Feed yourself proper food. Exercise. I'm not going to, but you do that. I know I do exercise. I leap to conclusions. I dodge responsibility. I, it's a busy, it's aerobic. Love yourself, uh, uh, seriously though, love yourself enough to eat the right foods. Love yourself enough to move every now and then. Love yourself to treat yourself. Jesus went off by himself. You can do that. You can learn the spiritual word, no. And go rest a bit. In fact, did not Jesus pull his best buddies aside from time to time and tell them, rest? Where is your Sabbath? God is really big on the concept of Sabbath. Rest. I have friends who their weekend is as busy as mine, and I work weekends. But when they get off, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing this. It, it might be good just to stop for a while. So I agree with you. There is something puritanical in our system that makes us question it if it makes us happy. That's a problem. Love yourself enough to do something silly. Not sinful, but silly. Love yourself enough to enjoy your life. That's brilliant. Anybody, else, anybody want to join in or follow that thread or, or start another one? When Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, remember, this is all right before the crucifixion. They're coming at him, coming at him, coming. He's answering, answering, answering. They backed up now. He's still in the temple courts. He asks, why do teachers of the law say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? The large crowd listened to him with delight. If you don't get it, we get it because you've heard the stories. In the Jewish system, in the Semitic system, um, sons are never above the father. And their sons are never above. It's not like a constant degrading of culture. It is, is merely a position. Uh, in fact, in Jesus' day, a son was not considered independent of the father to go to work and do his own mark in life until he turned 30. When did Jesus start his ministry? 30. Well, what is Jesus trying to say? He is introducing to them a God who is not bound by time. That when David said this, the Lord already lived and was his Lord. And now born on earth is the Lord of David, even though David was his father. This is a brand new concept to them. I really think teaching this concept in America is the easiest place to teach it because you have an egalitarian um, story, a story that all men are created equal. We assume women are in there as well. 
although no woman was allowed in that room. But anyway, moving on. That all of you are created equal, that you have rights. Uh, I, I subscribe to a magazine service that I get them on my iPad. And they're mainly British. And I just, it doesn't matter how many you read. You know, it's $9 a month. So I, there are a couple hundred that pop up. I only read a few of them. One of them I go to every now and then just to remind myself that this still exists is called The Field. The Field is for gentlemen and the aristocracy who walk about in very, very expensive clothing, holding shotguns that cost about $40,000 because they're allowed to have them because they're gentry, you know, the whole thing. And then there will be pages of social, and they're all smiling, holding, you know, a drink or something. And to me, it looks like this would be hell to be at one of these parties. I don't ever want to be in this party. But then there will be a comment about such and such attended, but they're not a gentleman. What that means is their bloodline isn't right. But we let them in because they had money or something. But they'll be, it's very open. They're not a gentleman. Therefore, they're not acceptable as a marriage partner for any of our people. It is harder in Britain to talk about a God that transcends class. In America, you guys got this. Our God transcends time. He's got this. He's above David, even though he came from David. That's not a big, what, here. It is in most of the world. Does that help? All right, that's why they were delighted with him. Because that means their God has a plan for them and is actually working out the plan. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. Uh-oh. Where are the teachers of the law at this time? They're right there. He's in the temple courts. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Wow. Jesus is no wimp. He's also not afraid. We took our boys, like I said, up the creek. and We were finding fossils. I was even showing fossilized prints and such. One of them is pretty nervous. The other one has no fear. He was born with the Mead no fear gene. And just leaps out. And he's the one that found the copperhead. Five years old, picked up a rock. He goes, hey, snake. I looked down and went, yes, it is. He said, what kind is that, Granda? I said, it's the kind we talk about over here. So he walked over. But he kept walking over and looking at it. And I let him do it. Why? Because fear doesn't help us. Fear doesn't help at all. But there are times that we need to have a little bit of fear in our life. There is one job description God gives that he always follows with a warning. Be a teacher. I have the only job in Scripture that comes with a warning label from God. You will receive the greater condemnation. Watch out. And here's where we come to another phenomena, which you will never find in Britain, but you find it here. Because in Britain, you're not allowed to have religious TV. It's, there's a rule. Um, I won't try to go through all the history of that. In America, you have religious TV. I don't watch it. Because I can get in a bad mood without outside help. <clears throat> and what do they do? They're up there, and I know I'm painting with a very broad brush here. Please forgive me. They're up there, 
in suits that cost as much as my truck. And I'm jealous of this. Follow. And a stage set, and there's millions and millions of dollars, and what are they doing? Telling widows, send in your money. Send in your money. Jesus said, no, don't get in this. You will be punished most severely if you do this. When our Muslim friends came a couple of weeks ago, and by the way, they're still talking about that. They're still blown away. Uh, our next step is actually, I'm unable to help them, uh, but a couple of churches are going to go help to rehab uh, a, a high school, Antioch High School, the one that's, I think that's what they call it, close to Green Hills, I'm told. And that's where, because there are several, and I can't remember the name of it, because I, I can't go. It's the 9th and 10th. Okay, uh, that's not the name they're giving me. So it may be a different, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, well, I know Antioch isn't. That's why I ask uh, them. Can we move on now? Okay. My point is, this is why, by the way, when I tell people I'm going somewhere, they say, how are you going to get there? I never tell them. Ever. Don't do it. The worst one was when I was driving cross country, and I got off the interstate in Tulsa. Don't. It's hard to get back on. So I was at a petrol station, and the guy there was hanging around. And I said, how would you get back on the interstate. He said, do you want the quickest way? No. Weave me about a bit. It was the oddest, most sur surreal moment because I said, yes, please. Because he said, people, you cannot write this stuff. Go down here and turn left where the Johnsons used to live. I said, you know, I've lost track with the Johnsons over time. He, no, it gets better. He goes, it's where the barn was. So there's a hole in the sky that I, I finally just drove away and got out of there. All right, back to this. <clears throat> One of the things that the Muslims were very concerned about was that they did not want to offend us in anything. And they kept asking, what would we do to offend you? I kept saying, there's really not much you can do. And that amazed them. One of the things that they had to learn to do was not call me doctor or pastor. I said, there's nothing wrong with calling me either of those. But I'm called Patrick. That was difficult for them. But they like it. I make that happen. First of all, I do that because my kids always reminded me I'm not a real doctor. Right? You can't give shots or cut somebody. You're not real. Got it. But another is... Like most people, I have an ego. It might not be good to insist that that be fed. You get what I mean? Just let me be Patrick, one of the room, one of the people here. I do that not because I'm strong, but because I realize I am weak. Therefore, I need to put a border there. By the way, I'm a, I'm a huge hypocrite. If I need to pull out doctor to get something done at a store, I'll do it. But uh, otherwise... <laughs> I'm a hypocrite, but I admit it. So there's some credit. There should be some credit, is all I'm saying. We are called to care for widows, not to suck them dry. It, is, it breaks my heart what religion looks like to those who don't know it, except from television and internet. 
It does. Um, <clears throat> our elders here, I'm so proud of them. They encourage you to give because giving is a spiritual act of worship. We need to give. We need to give sacrificially. But they don't do that for them. They do it for mission. They do it for work out, out in the world. They do it for God and the kingdom. Very proud of these guys. When Jesus sits down, he's still, he's still there. <laughs> Opposite the place where the offerings were put. Here comes, speaking of giving, watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Got to stop. And the way people take collection in different places is fascinating. In Scotland, there are two different ways I've seen it, which I've thought, well, that's unique. A lot of churches there, they don't have a plate or a basket. They've got a stick with a bag on it, and you put it in the bag. And I, and I kind of like that, and you hand the stick to each other. That's kind of cool. But one church I went to had trays with no felt on the bottom. So if you gave coins, they, everybody knew. I'm not sure if that's the reason why, but every time I saw it, I went, okay, they're, they're, getting, they're getting a fiver. I'm not putting coins in that thing. Now, when kids give, I love watching kids give. Because if they have three coins, it must be dropped from a height. <laughs> One at a time, right? I love that. I love that. Jesus is watching how people give. And the rich people are throwing in lots of money. Well, that's good. I'm glad they are. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Is Jesus requiring any of us to give up every penny we have? see that he's admiring this woman because her trust in God by the way widows would be cared for if they're if they're doing the old law right out of the treasury but even though it's coming out of the treasury she feels a need to give what she can give so don't think she did this and went home and died there was a welfare system in place that the church the synagogue the temple they the Jewish people ran she would be fed if they did it right. I don't know if they didn't, but if they were following the old law, they would have been feeding her, caring for her and her family. But she still felt the need to give sacrificially. That's what Jesus is praising. Get that? I don't want you to overburden or overdo this. Nobody is asking you to impoverish yourself for Jesus. Although if you did... I think we would all be amazed and think, wow. And there are people who have. We, we've, in Mission Works, you know this. Any questions or comments you've got on this? The widow's might. My dad came back from a trip to Israel when I was a teenager, and he had a couple of mites from the first century and sold to him by a trader. I'm almost certain they were repopulate, re, re, you know, they, they, they're made to sell to Americans or anybody else walking by the street. But the, he treasured those. I, I, th I think those have now been lost. 
that's what happens. You get old, you move into assisted living. You know, I, I remember one of my, my elders years ago moved into assisted living, a one-bedroom thing, and I went to see him. I said, Byron, how are you doing? He said, I'm so glad I don't own a book of matches. I was thinking, Byron, why? He says, I wouldn't have a place to put them. <laughs> okay, now I get your point. As Trace said, you can't take some things with you. The material stuff doesn't. But you can send some things ahead. Put your treasures in heaven. You can also, not only do you get the treasures in heaven, you, you send your relationship and your love ahead. It'll be there. The Daniels lost their, their daughter, but all last night they're talking about, we will see her. We will be with her. You can send these things ahead. Your love, your confidence, your relationships. This woman was relying on there is one God. And God's system will take care of me. See how that all time? Don't look upon these as episodes. This is all one story, and now Mark is linking it together. This woman is living out Shema Israel, Adonai Chinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, our God is one. She trusts God. I think most of us admire this because we realize, if we're honest, sometimes it's hard to. Sometimes it's hard to. Sometimes God doesn't do what we thought he would do or what we thought he should do. I am... Um, I'll never forget, I'm opening up a big can here. A man, I'd gone through something, you don't need to know what it was. Pretty devastating. And I was wrestling with how to deal with that in my faith when an old teacher of of the faith looked at me and said, Patrick, it's all right to forgive God for disappointing you. And I said, how can a man forgive God? He said, oh, God knows he disappoints us. God knows he let us down. Sometimes you need to go clear the air with God before you can move on. I thought that was one of the wisest things I've ever heard. And I'm handing it to you. You can do with it as you wish. I feel too many of us tamp it down and just live with the resentment and say nothing. No, go to him and say, hey, that disappointed me. What's the point here? If you read the Old Testament, especially the Psalms, One-third of the Psalms are doing that. So you can too. You can wrestle with God. Did you ever wrestle with your kids? It's fun, isn't it? To a point. I had to stop wrestling my son when he was about 11. I said, "Uh, son, if we do this, somebody's going to get hurt. And I meant me, but he assumed it. My son was like, do you remember the old Pink Panther movies with Cato? That was my son. I'd open up a door, you know, and I, you never knew where he was going to launch. And, and I, I finally had to say, that, we're done now. We're done. Do that to strangers. We're up at, at time here. This is one of my favorite parts of Mark. Because what we never see, <clears throat> we look at that story, look at this story, look at this story, but we don't tie them together. What pleases God is for you to place him in your mind Our God is one, nothing else matters. And then live that way. That's the command. How many times have we been told Jesus gave the command, love God, love each other? That's an illustration. 
of how the command is lived out. Do you see that now? Good. Take it with you. As long as you don't, you don't, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So on. 